almost done with Psalm 50, and we'll be moving on. This has been a wonderful psalm. I hope you're having a good week already. Thanks for taking time to uh, open God's Word with me. I was thinking about summer, and <laughs> yesterday I was singing Olaf's song to Charlie uh, because I love summer. And uh, so I was singing about that snowman with his skin up against the burning sand, and we had a good laugh about that. But I was also thinking about all the summers of my life, especially my adult life, my, my adult Christian journey. Summers have presented a, a kind of a shift in the pace and the rhythms. The kids are out of school. The days are longer. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of easy to get spiritually lazy or off track in the summer. And so I think it takes some deliberative planning, some strategic thinking. And for me, that's always been setting some goals. Um, it has been having a good roadmap of spiritual things that I want to accomplish or do or engage in during the summer. Uh, for instance, we had a group recently that was on the mission field. We've got another group this, this, later this summer that's going to the mission field, two mission trips in our church this summer. Um, for me, it's also been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using that as an example. We'll have volunteers for VBS. Uh, we have parents that are sending their kids and teens to camp. All of these are good summer engagement things. We have sports camps at the school and summer camp, day camp. Um, I'm talking, you know, holistically for your family, compre thinking comprehensively, how do we move our family forward spiritually? And I would, I would approach it personally. How do I grow spiritually this summer? And I would outline you know, two or three books that I wanted to read. Um, I would then uh, think maritally, how am I going to refresh my marriage? And we always took a family vacation, but Dana and I, as a part of that family vacation, we, we as a component of it, we got away together, uh, just the two of us. We left the kids with family or friends or some, some sort of, of care and uh, maybe just Velcro them to the wall, you know, and I'm just kidding. Um, so um, we would you know, get away together for a day, two, three, four, um, and renew our, our uh, marriage. We're doing that even now as you're seeing this video. That's what we're doing. And then there was always family, um, and at least in my life, going all the way back, frankly, to when I was a kid, when my parents came to Christ, there was a real commitment to church. We never fell, fell out of church during the summer. We, it, God wasn't just something we turn on and off. Um, he always had first place and preeminence in our family. And uh, I'm talking when, when before we were in ministries, per se, uh, we, we were engaged fully with God and worshiping Him and following him. And I'm thankful. So anyway, all that to say, I hope you will be strategic and thoughtful and deliberative about your summer. Uh, for me, this is a summer of classes. I am, um, I'm a little over halfway through a doctoral program. So it's been a great journey. And um, so I'll be engaged in projects and reading and research and, and, um, and God's, God's provided that opportunity. I'm so thankful for it. So a lot of goals. A lot of, um, it's just good to engage yourself in things that grow you, grow those around you, and keep you on a focused track spiritually. And so I leave that with you, encourage you to maximize the shift in pace, um, the different schedule, uh, the longer days, maximize these things, and don't just turn lethargic and apathetic and, and lazily drift spiritually through the summer. That's not a good way to go. Well, we're in Psalm 50, and we have been reading God's indictment on unbelieving worshipers, people going through the motions who do not believe. They're not saved, 
and God has indicted them. And then he promised, really, the reader um, that he will reprove, verse 21, and he will set them in order before thine eyes. So if you're an unbeliever, the warning is, you can't play this game. Uh, God knows the game, and he, he wants you to be saved. And his message right now is mercy, but his message one day is going to be judgment. And so while his arms are open and while his heart is, uh, is accessible through patience and through grace and through mercy, run into them. Repent from this indictment that's in verses 16 to 21. So we pick it up today. In, uh, in, and for the believer, by the way, the, the warning to unbelievers is a promise of hope to us that God's not going to seemingly sit silent uh, forever. He's going to right every wrong, and he's going to bring final and ultimate justice. Um, now, this, is, this gets brutal, okay? This, this is harsh imagery, and yet um, it is, um, it's a reckoning reality. So look at verse 22. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Say, what kind of God would threaten to tear somebody in pieces? Another version says, repent all of you who forgot me, or I will tear you apart and none will help you. So same sense. Same imagery, same reality. What kind of God threatens to tear someone apart? Well, a very good, a very loving, a very gracious, a very merciful, a very long-suffering God when he's given no other alternative. So let's backward logic through this. Let's, let's step back and let's, how do we get to a good, loving, holy, wonderful, generous, lavish patient, long-suffering God, threatening to tear someone apart, okay? The same way that a passionate, loving father would confront a home invader who intends to do harm to his young children. And in the first position, he might say, look, I don't want to hurt you. You need to lay down on the ground, drop your weapon, Put your hands behind your back. Um, the police are on their way. You need to surrender and you need to repent. You need to uh, walk away from your intentions. Now, if that, if that invader, if that wicked, malicious, murderous, bloodthirsty individual um, stops under that threat, under that warning, I should say, and lays down till the police get there. Then he's going to be taken into custody, and the system will deal justly with that person, right? Um, but if that invader continues to come forward, continues to threaten, maybe continues to act out in 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 what we would call unrepentance, okay, malicious, murderous, bloodthirsty intent, evil, uh, bent on evil, okay, unrepentant evil. We call this unrepentant unbelief. Then this dad, if he's loving, is only left with one option. And there's, if there's nobody else there, and he's the only thing, only one standing between the invader, the home invader, and the young children, what does a loving dad do? 
And I realize the metaphor breaks down, okay? Because in this case, the loving dad could be defeated and uh, the, the invader can, can win, okay? But just go with me for a minute. What does a loving dad do? A loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, patient, uh, un, um, un, you know, unprovoked father loves his children and gives this invader an opportunity to repent. But in the final position, unrepentant uh, malice, the father's going to be a protector. He's going to protect what he loves. He's going to, in righteous wrath and in righteous indignation, intervene and tear in pieces that invader. And our justice system would essentially say, you have the right to do that, not only in self-defense, but in defense of your home, your children, innocent lives at stake. You have the right to step in. We would call that fiery, passionate love, jealous love. Uh, we would call that, uh, that, that wrath, that indignation, that intervention, we would call it good. Okay? Why? Because the good father is expressing perfect sacrificial love for his children against the face of evil. So, when someone rejects the mercy and the grace, the long mercy and grace of God, He's been silent for so long, silent in terms of judgment, but but loud in terms of good news and present in terms of good news, okay? And you and I and his people are his mouthpiece. So in that, in that picture, he's been very long-suffering, unrepentant unbelief, the wicked person that says, I choose wickedness, I choose wickedness, I choose wickedness. In the final position, what is God left to do? Well, he's already promised to destroy to completely um, overcome and kill evil. So someone that chooses evil over him, over his mercy and grace, gets caught up in that same judgment by virtue of God's goodness, purity, excellence, justice. There's no other alternative. So they're sealing their own fate, and this psalm is not God being mean. Uh, or inconsistent with his character, this psalm is God being merciful and gracious and giving them fair warning that they have two alternatives. They die a, a, a deserved judgment, condemned death of destruction, um, or they repent and they receive God's grace and mercy. And it is, um, it is good. It is pure. It is right. It is righteous. Nobody in the final judgment is going to say that's not fair. Um, everyone's going to know God's final justice is, is absolutely fair. It is absolutely deserved. That's why every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Uh, it, that will be a, an admission that God is right and I was wrong. <clears throat> so, yes, friend, it is, uh, it is um, brutal. You know, consider this, those of you that have forgotten God, that uh, lest I tear you in pieces. But, but think of this. He's saying consider. Come back. Re repent. Reconsider. Uh, turn back before I tear you up. Before I have to. You're going to force me. It's, it's no different than a police officer holding a gun at a criminal that's aiming a gun at him. He says, drop your gun. Drop your gun. Drop your, I don't want to shoot you. Drop your gun. You know, And that, uh, that criminal continues aggression. He's got no choice but to shoot and protect innocent life. So in that position... Look at the last part of verse 22. There is none to deliver, okay? There's no other alternative. 
So it's a warning, but it is a warning filled with patient, long-suffering, grace, mercy, love, and the generous offer of God. Reconsider. Come back to me. I want to deliver you. All of the wicked, I want to deliver you because there is none else. Hey, share that message with somebody today.